and I am recording. Ooh, is it happening? It's happening. Do I start? Do your thing. Yeah. Hey, everybody. You've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. It is a Monday afternoon in January. What day is it? The 11th. And we have to say the token thing that every podcast has said for the past few months of excuse technical difficulties if you hear any. But we're finally getting around to experiment on the Zoom call podcast thing. Which we should have maybe done weeks ago, but we're doing it now. The reason we're doing it now, because we have never broken any rules before. It was always we were at work. And just what kind of happened lately in Ottawa, anyhow, the not funny, funny chain of events is that, of course, COVID got worse. And our mayor in the before times around Christmas was very hopeful that Ottawa was doing so much better than other nearby cities and we won't have to be closed that long. And then cut to now and everything's gone to hell. And <laughs> It's <laughs> been three years. <laughs> yeah. And he's pretty much put out a tweet saying, don't leave your house, work at home if you have to. So because we have this technology and everyone else is using it, and even though when we were recording in the Mayfair, we were well along the rules and either sitting in the cinema ridiculously far apart or mm -hmm. in our office measured and far apart, we thought we'd try this out. So after some pre-rolling technical difficulties, Eric and I think we are now recording a podcast. May or may not be recording right now. This could just be like a vanity project that no one ever hears, but I, I, I fingers crossed that we're going to pull this off. This could just be a half hour conversation the way people used <laughs> to talk on phones, I guess, but... Yeah, we even had to get your wife to help us out because we can't figure this out on our own. Yeah, my wife who works for a... It's so funny because the word theater can be thought of as movie theater or live theater, but she works for more of a live theater type thing. But in the past 10 months or whatever this has been, has been doing a ton of Zoom meetings and live stream for events and all kinds of stuff. So she just basically went through with us two dummies what she's been doing with <laughs> everyone else. Oh, God, I hear a cat. That, that wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of the joy of being able to do it like this is you never know when a cat or some sort of other animal will appear. We'll walk through. It could just be me, to be honest. But I mean, that time it was a cat. And I tried to get ambitious and get Andrew and Lee on board today as well. Mm -hmm. Lee was actually just busy. It's so crazy that even though these are lockdown times, people are still keeping very busy. And I didn't hear back from Andrew, to be honest, because I think Andrew is a late sleeper. So he might still be asleep as we talk right now. I don't know. But yeah, he, he didn't change his schedule from the Mayfair of being able to start at 3 p.m. So you can kind of get up whenever you want. Yeah, because if you work at the Mayfair, 2 p.m. is kind of 8 or 9 a.m. So mm. If you're a night owl like Andrew is, I'm pretty sure he's the kind of guy who watches a couple movies till four in the morning or something like that, you know? So yeah. I'll probably hear back from him as soon as we finish with him saying, oh, sure, when do you want to do it? And we'll say, yeah. next time. <laughs> What's Zoom? <laughs> like, no, yeah. no, it's, it's fine. Well, that's the other too. It's like, you were a little worried that you can only have like so many people on at a time. Yeah. And, it's, and like it records, you know, only how long. And then also it's tough enough with two people, to be honest, and trying to like, leave space or like anticipate when someone's going to jump in. Like, I can't even imagine if we had the four of us going, I, I don't know what that would sound like. Well, I listened to a couple of improv comedy podcasts and the year end best of comedy bang, bang just rolled through. And the host of that was talking about how it was just, they didn't know if they could do it because there's one thing about two or three people having a normal conversation, but when you mm -hmm. have three or four people 
and it's fictional characters and you're trying to improv and you're trying to work <laughs> off each other and the way comedy works with, you know, leaving spaces and dramatic pauses. And they pulled it off, but they said there was some episodes, especially trying to patchwork sometimes upwards of four or five people from different places together onto the timeline and edit that all in. He said it was just so much more work than when four people are sitting around a table in the same room with a bunch of microphones. Mm -hmm. So us talking a bit is a little easier, but I think it's good for this first experiment to just be the two of us so we can kind of lay the groundwork and then get more ambitious from there. Yeah, eventually you can just cut up all of the parts and then just splice them all over the place and make your own conversation. <laughs> yeah, make you sound like a monster. You can really do that. I mean, with, with Lee, it wouldn't be as hard because he sometimes says shocking stuff anyways, but <laughs> yeah. uh, you could splice that wherever you want. Just leave in real dramatic pauses of... <laughs> House Hunters type stuff, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or like reality shows when there's just way too many dramatic pauses and commercial breaks and stuff. It's the new normal. If this works too... We can get more ambitious, which we could have done all along, but our podcast is relatively simple. I'm just kind of talking about what's going on at the Mayfair, but a little bit easier to guess we've had on in the past have been Lloyd Kaufman and Greg Sestero, local filmmakers, kind of stuff revolving around the Mayfair in the moment. Mm -hmm. But for stuff like this, like say if we're playing Psycho Gorman, a little easier to get into Zoom call from one of the filmmakers from Montreal, I believe, than having them in-house. So we'll see. Yeah, I was thinking that same thing. Like, it would actually really, like, open the door for all the people that we've... And, and, like, our LA friends and stuff that we're always been like, yeah, you should be on the podcast, even though we know realistically this will be very difficult to figure out. Yeah, I just... Very flattered, and it's going to be fun. I'm going to be a guest on Horror Movie Survival Guide sometime in the near future. Going to oh. record on January 23rd, so sometime after that. But, like, their guest this week was Patton Oswalt. So I was like, oh, wow, now I've got, like, a six degree of nerd connection to Patton. So that's kind of fun. There's a lot of pressure on you though, isn't it? They're like, Patton Oswald, Josh. Yeah, for sure. It's <laughs> still like, great. I mean, it's like, oh yeah, Patton, you're in Ratatouille and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and you've written comic books and books. And uh, I'm like, I go to see movies and I've watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, but now you've written comic books and books. So I mean, well, a, a comic book is a book. So I'm kind of- That's what we're going to chat it. about. Yeah, like both the hosts of horror movie survival guide are into movies so we're going to be able to talk about one the history of the mayfair and kind of talk about that and then we're going to definitely plug my new comic damn cursed children which is a horror movie theme type comic as well so that'll work mm. but i'm going to get tips from them as well because they've been doing a ton of interviews and stuff with people during these times so to see what kind of technology they use but i mean we're yeah. in an age where we're both just sitting at our homes and our laptops and making use of headphone microphones or slightly more technologically advanced microphones, but nothing super fancy. And we'll see how this turns out, but it should turn out half decent. Might not sound as good as the microphones we were using at the Mayfair when we're all in the same room and had a little mixing board, but yeah, should be good. It's different though. That's the, that's kind of the thing that's exciting about it. Cause we still realistically could have met up today, but then it's also like, well, we pre-planned this and I, I'm kind of curious to see what happens. So, you know, plus yeah. I'm a little lazy. So. Well, and by crazy, horrible happenstance in the 11th hour, we have some repairs going on at the Mayfair. And one of which is for people who have visited the Mayfair, there's an alleyway in between us and Shoppers Drug Mart. And we removed the stairs out there because they were fixing all along the outside of the roof and they needed it to get in a machine in there to do some repairs. After they did that, 
somebody said, you know, your stairs are horrible and the wood used in those stairs are fine right now, but they're going to fall apart. And they are such a horrible, poor quality of wood. They're degrading the building attached to it. <laughs> and so, Jeez. yeah. And the funny thing is those were put in as a favor by somebody because a building was being built next door to us. And they said, we're going to do this. We're going to fix up this alleyway and we'll fix up your stairs because new things need to be put in place. So we totally got ripped off on the stair installation, mm. evidently, you know, 10 years ago. <laughs> so it's all going to get fixed, Man. but it means that today there's a couple of repair guys there right now working on the stairs and I'm going back in an hour or so, but I'm like a, a 10 minute bike ride away from the Mayfair uh, to just, lock up because they just have one of the side doors open just to plug in their tools. But so I had totally an excuse to be sitting at the Mayfair all day today anyhow, but this saves you from coming in and we get to, it's nice to be a face of the community of being extra safe where we can say, yeah, see, look, we're doing our podcast it's like true. this. So <laughs> fixing stairs, doing podcasts, man, that's a lot of effort. I didn't realize it was that intense. Oh yeah. And the stairs actually went out right before we went into this third lockdown we chained up those doors and put some posters just in front of them, just some posters that are like in those little cardboard sleeves just to make triple sure that nobody goes to that door. Cause they wouldn't have gotten out cause it's all chained up, but yeah, there's just a, I don't know, six foot drop there. So, and it is what little silver linings we can take nowadays is like, okay, well we can get those repairs done and we can do this and that because Ottawa anyhow, or Ontario, I guess had a magic number of, I believe January 23rd of a comeback mm. day. And I think today or tomorrow, somebody's having a press conference that, you know, you don't want to be negative, but every sign points to it's going to be a press conference saying, for the love of God, everyone stay home for another month. So, yeah, it's unfortunate, but I mean, we've been able to pull it off. And I mean, like Quebec just got effectively shut down. So, I mean, it's, it's it wouldn't be that surprising to have something like that happen. And it probably should happen, but I don't know. It's not great for us. No, it's, you know, I'm fully thinking they're going to say with, you know, no research or intelligence on this subject, but I'm not going to be surprised if they're like at least another month or maybe even go crazy and be like, we're doing eight weeks with the intention of everybody take this extra super serious for eight weeks. Then we'll see where we're at. Because by that time, it's going to be a year, right? Gonna... I was about to say, yeah, like literally. Remember those Kodachrome naive days of early March 2020 when we were like, ah, this is going to be a couple weeks. Oh, man. Yeah, it was, it was sad. We were, it's a simpler time back then when we had 80 employees and we were showing all the <laughs> top classics. And now there's only, it's just you and me left. And no <laughs> yeah. to, uh, it's not that dramatic. Well, I remember when we came back from our first lockdown, and, you know, like any kind of business like ours, it's not really a lot of full-timers. It's a lot of students and people doing other things. And a friend of mine said, do you guys even have employees when you come back? And we lost a couple, including yourself, to grown-up jobs. Our current manager, Raina, we thought we almost lost her to a grown-up job. Bad for her, good for us. That ended up not working out. A couple of the other employees are students as well, so... We're going to lose them sooner or later. It's just worst case scenario is still doable where it's just few of us. We go down to very few employees and then <laughs> go from there. But we always kind of run on a skeleton crew and we're still kind of not many employees, like half a dozen employees or so. But everybody's still hanging in there for now and everyone's just taking advantage of whatever government benefits and such during these times. So 
Well, and there's always people that want to work there too. I mean, it's, it's, if it comes to that point, it never really seems to like anytime that there's a scary moment, there's always like someone or something works out or someone didn't get a second job or whatever, you know? So it's, we've been pretty lucky so far, actually. Oh yeah. And we've joked too of a couple of our ex-employees who are still living in town, but have real jobs. It wouldn't be too hard to guilt trip them and be like, Hey, are you free Saturday? Because we need somebody to work popcorn, you know? Oh, God. So. Yeah. And we don't know what month that Saturday will be, but, uh, you know, oh God, I, I don't even want to think about our Friday the 13th plans. I'm sure that's what everyone's thinking about, but uh, we'll be fine. That's what all the media has been talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, surely that's the big takeaway from this. We're good, right? The next one's not till like August, I think. Pretty sure, yeah. Like it felt like a really far away when the pandemic wasn't a year long, but now I don't remember what the timeline was anymore. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the next one is August 2021. I think we only have one this year for some reason. Okay. So yeah, so I think we're. Oh, I've looked. I have checked the calendar. Is it August? August 13th, 2021. So we're good. For the love of God, we better be back by <laughs> August 2021. Yeah, it's my birthday in August, too. Like, that's only a week and a half after my birthday. So, I mean, it's important that, well, who am I kidding? I would just be <laughs> fine being at home alone, having a Zoom birthday, but... Don't oh, ruin God. Eric's birthday. I know. It's, we've ruined so many things already. It's like, we're just uh, trying to keep it together. And basically, we're just kind of standing by the aforementioned Psycho Gorman and some other films that have just kind of been put on pause, like War of the Worlds. Who knows? It's such a weird game distribution is that theoretically some of these newer films that we had booked might be lost to us because they've gone on to a streaming or something, but then others mm -hmm. might open up. I'm not really worried about a lack of films because in January, Sundance is doing their virtual online fest. And after that, all those films are going to be out there mm -hmm. and that's all new films so that's happening and then all these big films that got delayed so i hoped we could still get in on that it's so tough there's no real answers because yeah sure i'd love to play black widow but i don't think the powers that be know what's going on with black widow we just kind of roll with the punches but it's you know even with stuff like we want to screen memories of murder and that's a 2003 film but it's hardly been seen, especially in North America, on the big screen. But thanks to Parasite, Bong Joon-ho's other films are getting re-released. So I think there's two or three of those ones coming up. And kind of like some movies we screened when we were back, like Robocop or Prince of Darkness, there's all these films getting re-released on digital for the first time. That's a new film to a lot of people. Makes us feel old, but a lot of people hadn't seen robocop or hell a lot of people hadn't seen gremlins before that we screened over christmas time so mm -hmm. i'm not really worried about waking up one day and being like well nothing to show because there's so many classics and new things and you know movies like psycho gorman and even if there's a little gap between where people didn't get to make movies there was a bunch before and a bunch more classics so we'll always have something fun to screen i'm sure plus just a lot of private rentals making us a few dollars so all we can do is just kind of sit and wait right now, really. Yeah, and I mean, there is going to be, I mean, because I, I can't remember what the cutoff was for Sundance, but I mean, I, I, it was it was like at least 100 films. And so there's also all the stuff that didn't make the cut. I got to think there's at least like, you know, 150 finished movies just sitting there waiting to be played. One of those is a new film with Michael Keaton and Stanley Tucci. And I admit, mm. I have no idea what the film is. I just saw that these two guys are in it. And I was like, I'll watch that. Lee looked it up and he said, at the moment, it doesn't have a Canadian distributor, but all that could change after it's Sundance thing. So right now it's kind of hard to make plans, but 
by some miracle, if things get a lot better and we're told you can go on January 23rd, we've got Psycho Gorman and Memories of Murder and War of the Worlds, maybe Pee-wee's Big Adventure, a bunch of stuff we were about to screen ready Mm -hmm. to go. We could be fine at a pretty 11th hour to be ready, but I have a feeling we'll we'll have more time. So Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting this year because, I mean, I guess like a lot of the deals for the Sundance stuff is going to be online. Like, I guess they're just going to be doing like Zoom meetings to like buy the rights to these movies. Oh, so, for like, sure. We should know pretty quickly, like after the festival, I would think. Yeah, because... They're not doing anything in a cinema. And it's so weird. It's the same way of us doing virtual cinema. Like, we never mm-hmm. thought this would happen. No one ever thought Sundance would be a streaming service for <laughs> their annual fest. But it's not the end of the world. I really don't think it's the end of cinema at all. It's just this unexpected thing that happened. And you can go back to, Lee said it last week, where the Mayfair existing, it's inexplicable and in that we keep on surviving through a multiplex open up down the street. Oh, well, that's going to kill you. Oh, no, Mm -hmm. it made us more successful. And you can go back. And I just keep thinking that you forget. But once upon a time, television was invented. And people who owned cinemas were like, oh, well, that's the end of cinemas. And we're still here. Yeah. Well, people are getting more nostalgic for it, too, the longer that this stretches on. I mean, well, it's split into two camps, the people that are getting more nostalgic for it and the people that are like, I'm over this and I always was. (laughs) I'm like, okay. We have 325 seats and a business model that doesn't necessitate that selling out every single screening. So even if a year or two from now, we're back to more or less normal and a whole bunch of people have gotten used to just watching TV at home, which is nothing new because that happened when VCRs came out. We'll be okay because Ottawa has a million people population in the greater mega city of Ottawa. And if a few thousand of those million people are in our rotation, that's kind of okay. And that we have clung to survival with 50 people per show, not always 50 people per show, But the run in December was crazy. We were selling out all the time. Sometimes I think we could have doubled 50 people on various shows. And that's just turning people away at the door, not people who sat at home and went, oh, you sold out in advance. I'm not coming. So we could have tripled that number maybe. We could have been 150 people for Gremlins or Muppet Christmas Carol or It's a Wonderful Life. So those people are there ready to come back. And so the amount of money that we've turned away because we are – good, responsible members of the community and not sneaking in extra people above the 50-person cutoff, that money's there just waiting to be thrown our way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, people definitely aren't going anywhere. I mean, well, literally right now, but I mean, customer base is not going anywhere either. I mean, everybody, us included, can't wait to get back in there. And there's people, oh my God, there's people just sending us 10 bucks over PayPal. There are people who know we have this PayPal account open because I was using it with my email address just to take payment for marquee rentals or for name plaques on stuff in the cinema. And so every once in a while, I'll get 10 bucks or 40 bucks from somebody just with a little message with no return email address, just saying, was going to come to a movie this weekend. Here's 10 bucks. That's amazing. We're not advertising that. We're not out there. Besides for me right now saying it, we're not out there saying, hey, we have a GoFundMe account. This is just people doing that. And every once in a while, we'll do like, the marquee's been going well, and the way that our global warming weather has been participating. I've done a couple last week, and I've got four more bookings coming up. 
with a little asterisk that if we come back, we'll work around it and maybe just put their message up in the morning for a couple hours and then put our normal movie listings back up, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But we have people like giving us tips over that before we close down at Christmas time, just people buying a ton of gift cards. So it makes you feel better because that is not happening at big chain stores, the big chain multiplexes. People are really going out of their way to support these small businesses, knowing that your support is needed. So we're just, there is a confidence there that you don't want to get cocky, but there is a confidence there. We just keep telling people like, yeah, we're, we're going to be okay. We'll see you hopefully in January or February or March, but we'll be back. Yeah. It's not, you know, I keep having to tell people and it's part of it is just a knee jerk from the people who are like, oh, cinema is dead. And I'm just like, no, no, it's not going anywhere. It'll never go anywhere. I'm like, God, please don't make me a liar. I'll look like a fool. <laughs> yeah, it's sad because in Ottawa, we have a, a number of listeners not in Ottawa, but our kind of unofficial sister cinema, the Bytown, closed down right at the holidays. And they were planning this big farewell and they sold out everything. And they were playing a bunch of classics and a bunch of really cool stuff. And then uh, we got shut down. So they didn't get to do their last week of screening. So they said they were hopeful to come back and do that upon our return. I don't know how much that's going to get hindered because of this. So we'll see. They also very carefully, not to get people's hopes up, but on their Twitter feed too, they said, we don't have any news, but there have been people asking about the cinema. So maybe some buyers will come in. You can just hope for the best for that because that's what happened with the Mayfair is that it was going to close and then us dummies zoomed in and <laughs> picked it up. So... We do have a bit of news that I haven't even gotten to research yet, but just a couple of days ago, I said to Lee that I noticed that a Toronto cinema was doing virtual cinema again, because I think we, again, might be away for a little bit longer than we thought. A documentary distributor that we did a bunch of pretty popular stuff with last year over virtual cinema that a lot of our patrons took advantage of and a couple of bucks went our way from them renting these movies. So mm -hmm. I know the titles... I know it's a documentary called Soros, one called The Reason I Jump, and then probably the most mainstream of the three is one called Meeting the Beatles in India, all about when the Beatles were going through that phase of their lives. Right before the White Owl. Yeah. And so those three films, like I said, this news just came in, but in the next day or so on January 12th or 13th, the information will be up on our website with a link over to the distributor where you can rent the film and then a few bucks will come to the Mayfair. I think people really like that. People like feeling as if they're helping. And this is yeah. a nice way to watch a movie and to, uh, as I said, it's kind of, you're doubling down because you're helping an independent Canadian documentary distributor and you're helping the Mayfair. So it's two worthy artistic causes. Right. Yeah. And, and plus, like, I, I mean, that Soros one is probably pretty interesting, too. Like, I really know almost nothing about I'm assuming it's about George Soros. I could be yes. totally wrong. But yeah. Like, I, I know almost nothing about him, to be honest. That's my favorite thing of being a dummy watching documentaries is that many educated people, I'm sure, are walking into or in this case, clicking on their TV to watch the documentary Soros, and they know a lot about the subject. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything. So it really becomes this fresh and educational thing. I know about the Beatles and that part of their lives, but I'm sure there'll be some great stuff in there. And the other one, the reason I jump, I'm just looking at the tagline now on IMDb, and it's about... It's an immersive film exploring the experiences of non-speaking autistic people around the world. Hmm. It's won awards at the British Independent Film Awards, Athens International Film Fest, and in Denver, and... Oh, Sun it won the Sundance Award 
Well, there you go. It won the Audience Award at Sundance in 2020 for World Cinema Documentary. Jeez, you buried the lead in that one. Yeah, alphabetical <laughs> burying of the lead. Yeah, that's amazing. Like, see, okay, so the, the only one of the three that I didn't talk about sounds like the one with the most accolades. <laughs> yeah, and then the Beatles one. I mean, like, it's so funny because I always come to the defense of any artist who is going through a change. Then people say, oh, no, you're just a boy band or you're just this, whether it be Justin Timberlake or Lady Gaga or David Bowie back in the day. But we all kind of forget, including myself, that the Beatles really started as a boy band, a molded wardrobe, same haircut, merchandising, lunchboxes, bobbleheads. And then with this India chapter of their lives kind of in the middle there, but really, of course, evolved into maybe the greatest rock and roll pop band of all time. So it's just funny that imagine this documentary, the knowledge of this documentary shown to, to like a teenage kid screaming at the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. It'd be like, what? It'd be like, they're, they're going <laughs> to yeah. do what in a couple of years? It's especially wild, like that period of their life, you know, just considering how they started out as kind of like, I mean, well, maybe not prim and proper, but just, you know, like they were like these well-behaved, wisecracking guys. And then they started, and then, then Bob Dylan's like, hey, have you heard of marijuana? And it's just like, <laughs> and it's just like this, you know, you could say slippery slope, but I mean, it led to some of the greatest music of all time. And especially that period as well. Like when they recorded, that was around the time they recorded the Escher demos, which is basically just the four of them around a camp, well, more people than that, but the four of them around a campfire with acoustic guitars just being like oh here's the stuff that i just wrote since we've been in india and they're like oh here's what i wrote and it's so crazy to hear those demos because it became the white album and you're like oh here i just tossed this you know this one of the greatest songs ever written off you know like it's just such a wild time for everyone really i guess and i love that was it john and paul or at least paul couldn't read music yeah like paul for sure I, I can't remember if john but yeah paul paul never could and like and it's just crazy to think about like he's one of the best bassists of all time like just let alone songwriter let alone rock singer you know like i don't understand how him. that works like that's so yeah. crazy it's well, I mean, I did music in high school as well. And like, I mean, I can just say, oh, it's so long ago, I don't remember. But like, I was never great at reading music. I could do it. But I mean, well, it's different in like 4-4 time too, like most of the rock stuff. But when you're getting into like 8 sixteenths and stuff like that, it's like starts to get a little wild. But it is, it's impressive to think, especially in uh, for a band that's so, you know, almost like cinematic to think that you're just sort of just doing it. You're like, yeah, this sounds good. This sounds good. Like, it's pretty wild. I'm always just impressed that a band like that, say like an average concert, like, I don't know, say it's an hour. And if you're not reading the music, that means you got no cheat sheet in front of you. That means mm -hmm. you're, you're just playing all that from memory. Whereas if you go to, you know, you go to a, a classical concert at the NAC and everyone in the orchestra has the music in front of them. And I'm sure they got it down, but it's there and you see them flipping the pages. So they're kind of mm -hmm. going along with it. But yeah, I always think that though of like how Paul and John were just winging it. <laughs> they were just like, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think by that point, they'd played like hundreds of shows. So I think just the muscle memory just does so much for you in that. Yeah, I'm always slightly distracted when I see an actor, especially on stage, give a really long monologue or a really long scene. Movies and TV is a bit different because, you know, you can cut between, you can yell line off camera and somebody gives you your line. Mm -hmm. But I'm always impressed by just the memory of that. But then I remember, this is years ago, this is like pushing 15 years ago, Cirque du Soleil came to town and I did follow spot for them, for the spotlight. 
for a number of weeks for like a month or something like that. And so it was it was Broadway style, right? It was like eight shows a week, one day off a week and just a couple shows a day where I went from day one being thrown to the wolves. And when you're working in rock and roll like that or like live theater like that, you really are thrown to the wolves. Day one, they give you a bit of a rundown and they're like, there you go. But by the end, I swear, and it's all kind of gone now, but I had that show memorized for my technical cues and for all the lines of dialogue because I was watching it two, three times a day for a month. Yeah. <laughs> and by the last day when everyone hugged goodbye and they were going off to the next city and I was staying here because I was a local hire and all that kind of stuff, I swear I could have one man showed that show. I couldn't do any of the performance parts, but I could at least talk through it. I was going to say, they might have needed to call you in one of those times. They're like, oh, yeah. no, this so-and-so hurt their leg. Who knows all of the maneuvers? It's like, we got to get Josh? If there was like a simple move of like a clown walking out on stage and like <laughs> pointing at somebody, you know, like something like that. But that made me think like when you're doing a Broadway show and it's one of those, like, I can't imagine the people who have done Les Mis or Phantom or Cats for four years. Like that's their job. That's just like going mm -hmm. to the office. They must just be thinking about what they're going to watch on TV that night. Like they must have that show so memorized that there's no butterflies the morning of like, Oh, I got to look over the script again. Like it just must be in there forever. And you hear that every once in a while where an actor who has done Shakespeare forever, you know, Ian McKellen or Patrick Stewart or somebody can really knock off long bits of memorized parts because they've done Hamlet four times in their lives over different live or recorded or whatever. So and yeah, they do it for fun as well. Like yeah. I mean, when, with uh, Patrick Stewart doing all the sonnets on uh, Twitter, you know, like it's not like he's, this is a new thing. You know, he clearly enjoys reading poetry and stuff. Like, yeah. So it's a little easier for him on that, I guess. That's one thing I never got to see because it was a little bit in my younger days where I couldn't just up and go to New York City as easy. So I hope we're back to that world one day and maybe he does it again. But he did a one-man show of A Christmas Carol on Broadway Oh wow! a couple years in a row where I don't know how long he did it for. I wouldn't be surprised if he did it from like November 1st to January 1st or something like that. But I would love to see like that. And that's him doing, basically he's just, he's memorized the book. He's doing all the narration, all the characters. I don't think there's anything as elaborate as costume changes. It's just him on stage, but I would love to see something like that. Yeah, like he's doing all the parts, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that's even more fun like just seeing the switch between like one of those guys who does all the parts for a book doing like an audio book you're doing like 50 parts like come on yeah he's doing tiny tim and he's doing the ghost <laughs> of christmas past he's doing the whole oh, thing <laughs> that, would be, that would be amazing that reminds me, i was just watching that fraser episode where they do the old time radio broadcast it kind of reminds me of that where you just got one person doing all the dialect parts so you're like yeah this uh this is totally flawless boys Oh man, I love old time radio. I think it's on Spotify and it's weird because I'm not a big music guy. Gwen is a big music person. So she's got, you know, she's always listening to music and it's a good, it's a good deal. You get Spotify and you just have all these albums not filling up your shelves. They have a lot of old like Abbott and Costello radio plays and Superman and stuff like that. And a lot of them still have the commercials and stuff in them. And oh. I love that stuff. It's just like mm -hmm. time travel. And it's almost like spooky. And a lot of shilling for cigarettes, which is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are always like just disturbing. The like the I love the doctors ones. Oh, where yeah. they're just like, ah, oh, as a doctor, I can recommend the Marlboros. You're like, huh, this is weird. There was one and it was like nine out of ten doctors agree for a pregnant housewife at the end of a stressful day, relax with a Laramie cigarette. You know, <laughs> you're like, 
You're like, oh my God, people. God, nothing goes with scotch for pregnant mothers like Laramie. Yeah, these are not good ideas. Man, geez, I even saw like it was a hot Dr. Pepper. Oh. It was it was like heat up your Dr. Pepper for a new taste treat. <laughs> That's so funny you say that because a podcast and Twitter feed that I really love called The Retroist posted a old magazine ad for that around Christmas because it was like a Christmas themed ad <sighs> like for your Christmas parties. And I was like, oh, this is horrible, but I got to try that sometime. <laughs> and Yeah, like it, it sounds awful. And I think it's just like you, it's like making tea. I think essentially like you get a two liter jug of Dr. Pepper, <laughs> pour it into a coffee pot, boil oh. it, and then drink it with lemon, I think. Oh God, that's actually worse <laughs> than I pictured somehow. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. I thought it would just be like you pour a mug and then heat up the mug or something. Like somehow that feels more palatable, but equally awful. I know, but I've got to try it one day. No, oh my God. Next time one of us goes to our, <laughs> goes shopping, I'd be like, oh God, I don't like this idea and you don't like this idea, but uh, I got to try this hot dog. Well, we'll pepper. split a can. I mean, maybe. I don't want to get a whole two liter. That feels like an undertaking I don't want to be a part of. Oh man, we got to try it. Okay, on a future podcast, <laughs> we got we to gotta taste test some hot Dr. Pepper. Maybe a vodcast even for that one. It might be worth oh, it. Can we get Dr. Pepper to sponsor us if we do that? If we do that and like it, they got to yeah, sponsor us. If we hate it, it'd probably it's not bad. be good yeah. advertising for anybody. But yeah, that's because it reminds me of the, there's a guy, Dinosaur Drac, I think it is on Twitter. And he's the guy who ate the old Spider-Man pasta. And like he has all the old candy and stuff. And he'll be like, oh, I'm open. I don't know if he eats it all the time, but it'll be like, I'm opening up a can of Spider-Man pasta from 2001 or whatever. And it's like just horrific. Like it's, it's exactly what you imagine, but <laughs> you still kind of feel like you want to see it. Yeah, I peer pressured my friend Morley into eating some, I believe, RoboCop 2 trading card gum. Mm. So that was Ugh. like 1990, and he ate that in like 2017 or something like that. Damn. He oh. survived. He did okay. That's... But Ugh. we took photographic evidence like a flip book, and it was Man. him opening it, putting the gum in his mouth, taking one bite, and it's just like <laughs> glass, and then two or three bites, and it's just like his face gets worse and worse. You know? Ugh. His descent into madness, but... Yeah, like, I don't know if that's bad for you, but, like, it's got to be pretty tough. He's, like, a super in-good-shape military man, so maybe that helped not kill him? I don't know. <laughs> well, he used to be. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about now. Yeah, he was dishonorably discharged after they yeah. found out that he ate the RoboCop gum. They saw those photos, like, oh, God. <laughs> it's like one of the worst things you could have done from 1990. Okay, so we're approaching a time where I, ironically enough, have to flee to go to the Mayfair Ooh. to... Let the handyman out. Lock up after them after they do their work. I heard a cat. I heard a cat. Yeah, she's uh, she's coming over here. She's like, you're almost done, right? <laughs> so we're going to wrap this up. We hope that this worked. If it didn't, you'll never hear it. And if it did, this will be a grand step into new technology for the Mayfair podcast as we can sit at home and do this instead of having to go into the cinema. I'll be very impressed. Well, I don't want to say I'll be very impressed if it works, but I'll be, I'll be very pleased if it works. I yes, say. yes. So thanks for listening, everybody. Stay tuned. As I said, today is January 11th, 2021. So possibly later today or in the near future, we're going to have news of, or maybe a slightly better idea of when we can come back. We'll have some virtual cinema stuff up soon. We still have plaques available to buy. And just stay tuned to our social media. We're on everything and pretty good about having 
nice positive conversations about funny things like what do you call a chocolate bar in the states if you call it a candy bar and then you have a candy bar at the mayfair do you buy a candy bar at the candy bar that opened up a thread of conversation the other day on our facebook and twitter feed so and more to come all positive (laughs) all good stuff okay thanks for listening everybody and we will see you next time on the mayfair theater podcast bye bye knowing our like it's just gonna record this very last part <laughs> yeah. like, we had such a good thing going we only got five seconds okay now i'm going to press stop ready for duty partner nothing i'd rather do about a year ago we gave this city robocop have a seat but things have become a little rougher out there with great pleasure i give you robocop 2 that thing is a killer let's step outside Take it over, Creed. Behave yourselves! RoboCop 2. Rated R. Starts Friday, June 22nd at theaters everywhere.